Long after the destruction caused by the death cults of capitalism, the dead begin to stir. Now, lead your legions of the undead as you try to take back your rights. This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I welcome back Tanya Floker to talk about their upcoming new war game, Blow Thy Dread Empire. Build an army and battle your friends or enemies as you tip the scales in your favor in this narrative war game. We talk about lore, rules, and taking something classic and making it your own. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am incredibly excited to be welcoming back a a returning guest, Tanya. Thank you so much for coming back and talking to me again. Oh, brilliant. Thank you for having me back again, Zach. I love your show, so I'm, I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad that I'm able to have you here. Thank you so much for the compliment. It's been it's been a steady trickle of people coming back to talk to us, so I'm glad that you could join us, and we're going to be discussing a new project. But I wanted to ask you quickly for the folks who heard you way back in November now, how have you been since Be Seeing You came out? Well, um, I, I love that just before we started recording there, we talked about, oh, we were talking about it as if it had been a year since I'd been on, and it's actually like <laughs> half that time, and it's that yeah, sort really. of, the, 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 the temporality of things is still trying to get back to normal, sometimes expand and some contract. So it's been a, quite a busy, a busy half a year. I've had yeah. um, Be Seeing You funded, uh, mm-hmm. got itself out out there. Um, it was like uh, produced on time uh, with all the stretch goals that it made and uh, I've sent it out across the, the world and then I've since also got it into distribution in the UK so if you've got a friendly local game shop pop into them and ask them to stock Be Seeing You uh, <laughs> it'd be a big help uh, so yeah uh, that's been really cool uh, I've kind of put that project to on hold. Um, I've been doing a few zine fairs. I like to do sort of like, as well as my gaming zines, I, I try and print apart zines and political zines and take them yeah. all out on a wee stall and, and sort of just, I just love the, the sort of zine culture and, and sort of the interactions you get there. So mm-hmm. been doing that with a, a, another local designer and we've been having a great time doing that. And then uh, I've actually appeared in a couple of other zines. I've had um, a, a sort of playtest version of another game appear in Conjurations, which is okay. like a, a miscellany zine by the, the Conjured Games co-op. Uh, okay. So I submitted a sort of playtest document to them. And yeah, and I've been plodding away my usual uh, Ed and Brindy Gamers uh, participation. I, I help organise that local club with a bunch of other people locally so we've been we've been carrying on with that and having a great time and and then with zine quest coming up in august uh just about on top of us uh as we record um i i decided to take one of my games off the shelf uh dust it down get it ready to to be published and um ask ask some nice artists if they'd like to be involved as well and here i am (laughs) I'm very excited about this one too. And yeah, I actually think that you also had be seeing you in a couple of different um oh, bundles on itch, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, there's well the the the, the sort of unfortunate adage of um something terrible's happening in the world, so let's all create a yeah. bundle. Um so but it's 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 uh, definitely worth doing. Yeah, there's been quite a lot to do with abortion access. And, and the fight for bodily autonomy over in the United States at the moment. So, mm-hmm. uh, and a few other sort of um, things to do with the, the shootings in Buffalo and that kind of thing. That I I just seen the call out for for these bundles and was happy to put put my work in amongst it. Like the, yeah. no question. Yeah, it's been a lot. I'm glad to see that you're still very involved in that community, and making sure that your stuff's getting out there and it's terrible that that's the way that some of these games are getting spread but the cause is really good i just buy these bundles and honestly i some 
I think some of them I've not actually cracked or open. It's more just to, <laughs> to help because it's a quick way to, oh, there's a donation link right here. There you yep. go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Tanya, for those in the audience that don't remember, could you please tell them a little bit about yourself and who you are? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, my name's Tanya Floker. I'm based out of Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, I've been, I'm 41 years old now, and I've been gaming since I was nine years old and designing games just for myself and my friends for most of that time. And recently, just with the a lot of, if you listen to the last episode, a lot of my motivation to why I'm, I'm sort of starting to release my games more formally is in that episode. But yeah, I've, I've just decided I'm, I'm getting some of my games out there uh, that I think are, are other people are going to enjoy and I'm, I'm enjoying making them at the same time. So yeah, that's where, that's I think everything at the moment. Um, I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm studying to be a counsellor at the moment. That's, that's okay. going well. Uh, and I, I live with a nesting partner and I've got several kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll speak on the counselor part. That's some tricky work. So it's always glad to, <laughs> I'm always glad to have some more folks mm. in the, uh, the same yeah. ring as I am. <laughs> yeah. The, the training's quite intense and, and the, is, the yeah. internal work, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really rising up to a field, but it's, mm. yeah really amazing and i, I can't yeah. wait to get into practice well you'll do great but until that time though we're here to talk about something that you're making and going to be getting up on kickstarter very mm. soon so can you tell us a little bit about what is low thy dread empire okay low thy dread empire okay is m my idea of a, a sort of grim dark war game but powered I say it's powered by an undying anti-capitalist heart, so <laughs> it's it's got like themes uh, about like the undead and anti-capitalism and liberatory feminism and and liberatory politics as a whole, all sort of thrown into it. But also with this sort of like idea of the grim dark, the sort of hopelessness and and over over the top nature of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and along with that, it's sort of like, it says it's a war game because it is a game where it's about a battle between two forces or, or more forces. Uh, but it's also my, my sort of, what would you call it? My, my sort of uh, portfolio or stock and trade, if you're being all, all funny about <laughs> it. Yeah, I know. Uh, ridiculous. But the, my normal fare when it comes to designing games is more what you'd normally find termed as story games or narrative focused games or mm -hmm. that that kind of indie game sort of type of thing so yeah. this this is my sort of I, i'm still designing from that perspective and with a lot of those design ideas but i've turned my ideas on on what would uh, a war game designed with these sort of uh design assumptions and 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 design goals what would that look like? So hopefully this is a game that is, as much tells the story of the battle and the, where the mechanics engage in the battle, it, it tells you the narrative of what's happening mm -hmm. as much as it does like rolling to hit, rolling to wound, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. And the story is actually really key to this one. When you told me about it, I was really intrigued by it and the, uh, even the little pitch that I've seen on the preview for the Kickstarter is really interesting. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the lore, what the mm. Skeleton War is, and who the Death Cult of Capitalism are? Okay, so um, effectively the, the, sort of the, the, the setting that you're getting in this game is a, a time called the Skeleton War. Okay, so you've got this dying earth. Uh, You've got the, the, basically the skies are filled with uh, pollutions to the point where the light that manages to burst through the clouds is just oozing through and is a sickly yellow. Um, it's just rubble and dirt crunching underfoot and the blasted earth having interspersed alien looking ruins that have been erected by these cultists to capital. 
You've got these dead forests, they're blasted by acid rain and searing winds, and they, they sort of tear on the flesh of the unwary, and like the fabric of reality has started to break down, and everything's becoming this surreal nightmare. Like the, the laws of physics are not working as intended, that kind of thing. And so this world has been created by the, the death cults of capitalism. Um, so there's, there's sort of like different factions and aspects to this as like uh, isolated ghoul clans that pre preach the, 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 the sort of doctrine of the survival of the fittest while they feast upon each other's flesh and as it turns to ashes in their mouths. You've got um, uh, whites who are the undead who believe that they're still living and they oversee factory dungeons and try to violently suppress any dissent. Um, You've got the lords of gender enforcing strict behaviour uh, roles as they, they sort of have these swirling masks and dances that ravage the land. And, and like the, the death cults themselves that are, are sort of like sacrificing people's life force through toil uh, and unable to end the misery that's being caused by their own edifice. And um, they think all of these sort of forces think that they've killed any and all opposition to them and the sort of grim dark nature normally you'd say but they were wrong but this is in this instance they were right they've killed off all the opposition and it's from beneath that unquiet ground from those churning graves that hands are bursting up five decaying fingers forming into a fist and the, the sort of like an undead revolution is taking place. So you've got, like, opposing these death cults, you've got, like, the spirits of revolt who are breaking their ghost chains which bind them in service. And you've got the, the Mujeris uh, Zombista, who are, like, imagine uh, feminist zombies who are uh, resting control of their bodies back from the necromancers through the act of collective animation and then marching back on their oppressors. You've got like a uh, Black Cross Revenants who are ready to abolish the flesh prisons, which are these big, huge, wounded leviathans. Um, mm. You've got uh, lost crypts, like scattered about the land, which play host to skeleton unions, who are planning to strike against the machinery of exploitation. And you've got like vampire freedom fighters who are, are like sleeplessly travelling under the cover of night to wage war on the, the enemy, the, the capitalists who lay claim to blood and soil. So lots of sort of like uh, liberatory undead and sort of even har sort of calling back to things like the, the internationale, like uh, arise the workers from your slumber, this kind of idea that the, the undead are, are coming up and they're, they're going to battle for for life and death itself, to stop this uh, ongoing, like, never-ending cycle of toil and pain that's mm. neither living nor dead. It's so interesting to me because it's one of those things where you look back and a lot of folklore mm. and like things like the undead and such, they really focus on negative aspects of society already like goblins for instance way back were an allegory for the jewish yeah. people yeah. and with very little change you've been able to very efficiently just even hearing that rework these these imageries these symbols yeah. on their head mm. and like we were talking about it earlier things like women's rights in America is a huge thing right now. Yeah. But then you have these these zombies who are literally fighting for control of their bodies. And I think that is such a cool concept. Yeah. Well it comes there's like a history of like uh feminist zombie movies already. Mm -hmm. But along with that you can go a lot further back and, and sort of one of my interests is sort of Celtic myth. And the undead and Celtic myth aren't, uh, like, a lot of the time aren't unthinking, uncaring. It's more like their ancestors who've got something going on with them. Yeah. 
and the idea that they've come back to do something to have some great uh great wrong put right like that's definitely part of the the sort of that's the sort of tradition of mythology where i live and okay. so so drawing on that like i don't have to i don't have to go like pillage pillage mythologies from around the world i can look at the mythologies where i am and sort of say and then use that to sort of make commentary on what's happening today like we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're in the midst of it transforming and and we're looking around us and i think a lot of people are finding that the the way in which those the the sort of states and the way in which the the people with sort of institutional power are behaving is is in the interest of their in the interest of capital and in the interest of their own power as opposed Mm -hmm. to the interest of the social good Uh, and so like I guess this is a way of me blowing off a bit of steam about that as well. Like this is this is sort of like a horror movie style, like turn it up to eleven and see what happens. Uh-huh. Um, but also, it, yeah, tying it in with with things that I've actually been involved in for a long time, like um, struggles for bodily autonomy, are very close to my heart. And yeah. and 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 undead get a bad rap. They're always just like. Here's some mindless bad guys who are here. Like it's almost like the same thing when when you see people that are like fighting for survival and the, like especially recently with um, like black struggles in the United States. Mm-hmm. Like the whole the whole oh it's just thugs and mindless violence and riot rioting being seen as this sort of like senseless it came out of nowhere thing and it's like there's no sense of the the history or the reality that people are going through in those those sorts of reports and there's no no sort of want to sit down and try and fix it because to do that would be to take away power from the institutions that that are causing these problems so power does not want to dismantle itself and so yeah and so the undead are like when when you think about a, a sort of they're just a rabble, it's just people causing a problem. It's just like over here in Britain, we're on rainy turf island, and it's yeah, it's everything's trans people's fault at the moment. Us, uh, or, or more than us, uh, anyone from a, a gypsy Roma or traveller background, they're really mm. getting hit hard, and folks who are uh, disabled uh, are have been really for the past 15 years in a terrible position and now now it's trans people's turn um so like i can i can sort of see the struggles that are happening around me and and sort of make something that's hopefully a fun game to play but also like isn't completely disconnected from that yeah and that's a strength of you as a designer your games always tie in so well to a a core theme or an idea and that's why i think this one is so interesting because like you said you usually do more narrative story driven games Mm. this is a narrative war game and kind of like when people think about that they think uh you brought up skirmishing before we talked in 5e or certain forms of warhammer would Mm -hmm. have some story aspects but what makes this game different from something like fifth edition or 40k. Well, I guess I guess starting with those big ma- like mainstream games, um, like if you you think about how they relate to each other in terms of how they're played, like mm-hmm. there's quite a like the the family tree of like Dungeons and Dragons and and trad role play games as a whole, back to war gaming like naval combat war gaming and other war gaming and then that how that branched into what we see from maybe Games Workshop with their various lines of game. Um, they have quite a, a similar uh, like DNA to how their games work. Yeah. You've, got, you've got a stat block with numbers, you've got movement values, you've got rolls to hit, rolls to, to wound, armour, equipment, injuries, and you're trying to, to win a battle. 
okay and it's it's fine that they've got that in common like the the, the battles and 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 dungeons and dragons are skirmish war games like that's yeah. that's what you're doing and that's cool there's no shame in that i love them um and there's in the same for warhammer you're doing a, a either skirmish war game or a bigger battle war game and you've got these sort of stat blocks and moving things and that kind of thing and so the fun of those games comes from the the building the armies and and trying to best one another and 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 sort of like a bit of chance from the dice you know rolling a big bucket of dice to see how how many of you guys hit and how many of the opponent die that's that's great fun but like you say i've come at this from a, a story game a narrative game perspective so what happens with my game my game's got more more of a relationship in terms of its dna for to, to games like maybe fiasco or um like uh, like companions tale or or in any of the sort of like early 2000s games like hot war or something that used tags and that sort of thing that where mm-hmm. you sort of basically you build units in my game and they have stats okay they have sort of like force or like their their equipment or their training as sort of stats but for each level you take in them you write down a tag word so like a a word or a small phrase that describes what's happening there and when you're placing the the units on the table when they're being moved about and when you're sort of engaging with one another it's you you sort of pick which of those tag words and those tag phrases are actually being used as you weave the narrative of what's happening and then that and basically that in you your your narrative of what you're doing engages with those rules of the tags and the the different sort of bidding mechanics that i've got going on and then that gives a result that comes back out into the narrative of the game again it tells you what the outcome is and then you work that out and then carry on that way so it's it's almost got that um almost like powered by the apocalypse loop going on of sort of like narrative into rules rules shape the direction things take and then you take the narrative out from that and i don't think i've seen a a war game that that quite does that i've seen diceless war games Mm -hmm. i've seen very narrative focused war games but they they often frame it on a skeleton that is still quite roll to hit roll to injure movement values and that kind of thing with my game you don't even have measurements um there's no you deal with things by agreeing between people if something is beside uh close far or beyond okay in the two points and and so there's quite a lot of role play games that use that kind of sort of um band range bands rather than rather than a a strict measurement Uh and so you use this for moving things about the the battlefield you can play on a table with miniatures and that's that's how i like to play this but you can also play it just by drawing out a map on a a square of paper on a, a pull out a bit of paper from the printer and just draw a map on it and then cut up little tokens and move them about that's a, you can play this pen and paper entirely if you want because I, I, yeah. I, I, I feel like um yeah when we were talking games workshop like a lot of my early game gaming like when i was 9 10 11 12 years old like was firmly rooted in like because of the, the sort of time period in, in britain um it's like fighting fantasy is one sort of pillar of my early gaming experience and there's sort of advanced fighting fantasy and all other stuff related to that and the other one's games workshop and they're sort of like early stuff like with the realms of chaos books the old big hardbacks and playing warband campaigns that were very narrative focused and also the battle reports that would appear in white dwarf magazine and they were brilliant i, I remember as a kid pouring over them uh, again and again and for, for those of you listening that don't know what a, a battle report in white dwarf is um effectively it was two people who work for games workshop having a game of warhammer 40k or warhammer or something similar one of the other games at the time yeah and 
rather than writing down like what every dice roll was and like what happened functionally like a, a set of computer instructions they would write down the narrative of them playing the game and what it felt like and like you, you know like after you're done at the role play game you go to, you maybe go away afterwards and you're hanging out with your friends and you tell the stories of what your characters were getting up to or somebody else oh what happened in tonight's game you don't say oh well i rolled a couple of good rolls and then i rolled some bad rolls and then um we moved some miniatures <laughs> on the on the table you say oh well logar went in and like chopped off some like real bad guy's head and then we we sort of got into the treasure room but then it was trapped and oh and you tell the narrative of it and so they were telling the narrative of this war game that they played and turn by turn giving us a blow, blow by blow account and it had tension and it had like moments of triumph and moments of tragedy and moments where things just didn't quite work out and moments where it all came together and i think if i've if i'm if i'm right i like other people will agree with me on this but i think low thy dread empire does that directly you don't have to wait until after the game is finished to be thinking in that narrative that as you're moving your troops across the board and you're engaging the tactics that you've decided upon and you've got these sort of units that you've got all this flavor dripping off them because you know very quickly what they're like because of these tag words the mechanics which you're engaging to move them about and to have them battle one another and to have these moments of conflict and the the resolution of that is 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 creating that narrative as you go and it, it's engaging that narrative so you don't have to wait till after the game to to backfill it and i love that i think it's one of the game's biggest strengths even from the the bare bones document that you sent me just with like the basics of what you're looking at for creating something that i think is very interesting though is building out your your units mm-hmm. and that with your powerpoints so mm-hmm. it's can you talk a little bit about how you build out your yeah your army or your unit yeah and how these tags exactly do work oh yeah yeah so you start the game like a lot of war games with uh, a pool of points and i've called this power so you've got like uh, i suggest for just the, I, i've put out what you call you mentioned the bare bones document this is like a text only like stripped down basic rules if you could take just the most basic version of the rules pop it on text so everyone can take a look at it and get a feel for it so you have a hundred power in this sort of bare bones sort of way of playing and this is used for a bunch of different things you use it for building units you use it for scouting out the terrain of the battlefield and then you use it on in the battle for helping resolve moments of conflict to try and swing them in your favor okay so when you're building units you've got four main categories of um four main categories of stat okay and you buy tags in each of them and the more tags you buy in it you can buy up to three in each each stat the more you buy the 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 more power it costs Okay, without okay. getting into the, the, the sort of like nitty gritty of it. Detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then when you, you get these, these tags, what you do with them is you basically pick something like, say, like, this happened yesterday on Twitter. It was, it was excellent. I was chatting with someone on Twitter and they, they suggested, they were like, I'm not quite sure. How would you start out if I wanted to make, like, I think I've got the style of the game down. Like, the, the sort of flavour and the art that you've got and everything. I can feel what it's meant to be like. So say one of my units, I want to make uh, a polycule of lesbian vampire assassins. Ashen assassins. And, and uh, they're like these gothic vampires, but they're, they're like... Just those words alone blew my mind. I was like, well, for their force stat you can make one of their tags polycule and and for people that don't know that means like a a, a sort of interconnect they've all got interconnected relationships 
the the polyamorous vampires, which sort of opens up like there's a whole the whole lesbian vampire trope is is yeah, rich for mining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, this is this is somebody who gets where I'm coming from, but making it liberatory and joyous, but also taking it to the battlefield and kicking them up in armor with big. Uh, axe to 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 you know like your uh, labia two headed axes like <laughs> I was like okay so so this is this is brilliant so I was like okay so they they have to have like the for the force tag of like their force type isn't like a mob or a, a an organized unit or anything like that their their force tag is is like they're a polycule so that means when like they pro- that that probably means when you're narrating how they're moving across the battle or when you're looking at how something's going to resolve, that's going to be something that's going to be positive for them when they need like tight unit cohesion, when they need to sort of know what each other's like as a person and mm-hmm. thinking, and and for the the idea that like they're watching like people who they have really close affection to or like almost familial ties to fighting alongside them so that's important um then their confidence i was like with it that you could put lesbian down for their confidence tags because there's a sort of like <laughs> oozing with with confidence sort of idea um their training and equipment as i mentioned these two the battle axes and a, you could give them light armor as well you know just as a tag and yeah. and their training were like with their assassins so they've got assassination as a specialty. So if they're ever taking on like a specific named character, well, they're assassins. That's what they're good at, and they're probably good skirmishers. So we should put that down. And maybe the vampires and the they sort of got this vampire lesbian thing going on. So maybe infiltrators. And so you can talk about that in regular war game terms of well, what's that unit do? Oh well, they're they're infiltrators, and they've got light armor and two-handed axes. Two, these two-handed axes, and they they're really good at executing like s- specific assassination attempts, and and they're really tight. They've got this high morale between them, and and you could s- s- put that as stats like four, three, three, eight, ten. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. But by having it as the tag words and having that engage from the moment you're moving them across the battlefield and the way in which they're behaving, and then when it comes to a point of conflict, um, those power points that you've got left over from built after you've built lots of units and sort of set them up on the table and there's, you're sort of moving and you get into a point of conflict, you, you resolve that by looking at which tags are relevant to the situation and adding your narrative based on that. So you're like, yeah, so maybe the, this, this sort of uh, polycule are finally engaging with the enemy and they're outnumbered, and they're, but they're, there's like one enemy there that, they've, that they're after. So you engage with that, that they're there as assassins to deal with that. And you talk about their, like what they're doing with the axes and what's happening. And then that gives you bonuses. The tags that you're bringing in give you bonuses. And then there's a bit of like power bidding going on, sort of a token economy. Uh, and then you use that along with a bunch of other sort of questions. There's some questions that can add into your bidding. Things like, are you in a better position? Sort of war game things like, are you in a better position? Are you better equipped to deal with the situation? Have you got better morale? Are your forces outnumbered? All this sort of stuff still plays into it. All the things that you'd think were needed for a war game was still there. Mm-hmm. But you're jumping straight into talking about the narrative of what's happening. And that's then engaging with the me- mechanics and the mechanics then feed back to the narrative right away. Okay. So it makes sense there that you, you build up these units, you mm-hmm. give them tags, you spend a certain amount of points mm-hmm. based on how much power you want to put into them yep. and their training and their equipment, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But you did also mention there about utilizing tokens. Yeah. So what are these tokens? How do they work? It's it's basically like the, the leftover power points you have after building your units. You okay. use them for like a, effectively a bidding mechanic. So when a, when a conflict breaks out, um, what you're doing is you can use these tokens before the game starts to help 
are set up terrain pieces that would be to your advantage for scouting them out or for okay. preventing or preventing blocking your opponent from placing terrain so there's a little bit mm -hmm. of tussling over the the terrain um and then you use them if like your different units start with like secret orders that you've given each of them but you might want to change them mid-battle, which occasionally needs you to spend power and, and do other things. And then when a conflict happens, you basically go through a list of like, is is my side is one side better trained? And you do that by looking at the training tags and narrating what's happening with how the, the units are behaving based on their training. And then is one side more confident? And if so, you get a bonus. If it's one side more got better force for the situation is one better equipped for the situation is one side on advantageous terrain or is there some is there some other advantage being pressed by either side and these all sort of tally up and you can see sort of their relative position and then you basically start bidding power that you've got left over and you sort of secretly bid an amount, reveal it, add it to the, the existing numbers, and then compare your scores. And then if you've won, you can you basically overpower the enemy and start removing tags from their units. Okay. Uh, basically, as you sort of narrate what you're doing to them to break them down. So you're breaking down their confidence, you're breaking down their force, you... You deny them their equipment or somehow you shake them so they can't make use of certain training that they've had in the past because they've become too disorganized or too uh, shocked by what's happened. Mm -hmm. And I think something that's really cool to mention too is like that's the base and most typical way to play this game. You have extra rules for having a game moderator in there to act yeah. as a separate third party or as a narrator or yeah. even as like a, a common enemy between two mm -hmm. two players so yeah. the the base game alone is a lot i think the document is like 15 pages a4 like not even crammed writing like quite well spaced i think mm -hmm. and i think that gives a lot to just sit down and try out and it's just the beginning of what what will be in the final version. The final yeah. version will have a, a lot more to do with like advice for if you want a, a, a GM there to, to sort of mix things up for you. Um, yeah. It's going to have the full campaign with like art like units unit examples and pre-built armies that you can take out the the book directly and play through a campaign, customize and play. Um, it's yeah, going to the have actions. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to have rules for how to integrate this game with other role-play games. Oh, cool. One of the things I like, there's a game called um, Cut to the Chase, which I love. It's basically uh, a two-player game uh, about you run a chase scene of some sort. Yes, I heard about this. Yeah, and so I've played it a few times, and I've used it in other role-play games. I've taken it and I've cut scene to a chase scene. And rather than have to, like, jimmy some, like, like rules so they kind of work and it kind of makes it interesting, but chase scenes don't... Unless you've got a chase scene mechanic, it doesn't have the same feel as chase scenes. Like, what's cool about a chase scene in a film is that it changes the narrative pace. Like, good chase scenes... Mm -hmm change up what the film's all about yeah for that chase scene and so you can actually do that in your games at the gaming table that you can sort of like okay we're going to put the normal rules on hold and we're going to resolve this chase using cut to the chase literally cutting to it running a different game a little like uh like side game and then using the results from that back when we go back into uh our our regular gaming rules and i kind of want that for low thy dread empire say you've got a big battle coming up and you're like you like some games handle big battles okay some have got their own rules for it and some are just like well 
you could do it and it's just another scene type, but what would it look like? I kind of like the idea that you could take Lowlight Dread Empire and use it for running a big sweeping battle for half half of your gaming session or for one night's gaming session that you just play this instead. Um, yeah, I think putting some, some guidance on how to do that would be really useful. And I'm also... The other thing we're going to do with the Kickstarter is um, hopefully have two big A3 folded handouts and one of them one of them will have on one side it will be a poster with the cover art and on the other side it will be like a battlefield laid out so you can just ah. unfold this and put it on the table a big sheet of A3 and it's a blank battlefield and then the second sheet will have you can cut out cut out from the second A3 sheet that comes in it, it's going to have all the reference cards that you'd expect like to reference the rules, like quick references and like some unit cards that you can photocopy, that kind of thing. But it's also going to have a bunch of units and terrain that you just cut around and make tokens out of and you could keep them in a little baggie with your game so that you can crack out the map and then have all the tokens and things for pushing about the map so you don't have to go down to to your local games workshop or, or game store and, and buy a bunch of miniatures before you start playing. You can, like I said, you can play with just pen and paper at home or like uh, one of the backing levels would be you could have this pack of two A3 play aids that, so you've got some cracking looking like map and, and sort of really atmospheric tokens right off mm -hmm. the bat. That's so cool yeah we're starting to run a little bit low there on time there tanya oh, yeah, yeah but there's a couple things too now mm. as we speak this game is prepping to launch on kickstarter very soon as part yeah. of the august zine month yeah first of all when is that coming to an end there or when okay. it's starting i guess i should say I, I'm, first i'm launching on the 2nd of august okay and i'm running it for two weeks and two days which i think takes us to the 18th okay yeah yeah thursday 18th is when i end up because i had that day free so yes. good to pick time that you you can be about at the beginning and end yeah um uh yeah so that's that's going to be on kickstarter just keep an eye on it there you can uh i'm sure you'll pop a link up in the show notes for oh yeah for it. yeah thank you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Much appreciated. Um, I guess the, the, the one other thing I really want to talk about very briefly is um, uh, I'm collaborating on this. This isn't a solo project for once. Mm -hmm. In the past, I've, I've pretty much taken on most of the duties of the games I do by myself. Uh, I'm actually working with an artist, Julia Navalenin. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that up in just a second, so oh, I'm glad amazing. you did. Yeah, um, honestly, I wish... I, I, the, the downside of a podcast is I can't just show you how amazing this artwork is. It's, I've been looking at it, yeah. Yeah, it's, so it's spectacular. Um, Julia really, her, her sort of main medium at the moment is actually doing digital, like abstract digital collage. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'd also seen some of her work in watercolour, which it, it just like invokes like Francis Bacon or um, John Blanche, like his Games Workshop stuff. Yeah. Like that, that, that sort of like, it's messy and, and uh, it's uh, like just really visceral, but also like really engaging all at once. Yes, uh, oh, it's I, so cool. Yeah, uh, I just love it. And so I'm really glad that when I approached her uh, a little bit ago and said, oh, I'd like to work with you on this. I, I actually, her art, <laughs> like, her art is where the setting started to click from, really. Like, really clicked into gear, like, just seeing her art. And then I was like, would, would you like to work on this together? Because, and if she said no, I probably wouldn't be launching it. I'd probably have just kept it as my own little game um, that I play with my pals. But um, when she said yes, I was like, right, let's, let's do this. Um, so the main reason for the Kickstarter is um, to raise money for her to make amazing art like we're going mm -hmm. to hopefully raise enough that she could, she's going to make a whole new piece of cover art 
the the campaign itself has got some of the existing pieces of art yeah shown on it so when that goes live or if you you head over to my twitter you can see it in a thread there uh, and just really get a feel for for what what the, the sort of like the setting feels like when you see it on the page yeah it's so i've been trying to figure out what it was that the art reminds me of and th this entire time a little while well, i've been a couple days now and it just it finally clicked it reminds me of like a an abstract dark souls like it has oh. like this really gritty and dark but also filled with life and very detailed appeal to it i just love the art i think it's so cool it looks so good I just have to agree. It's 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 just amazing. It's spectacular, and I I really hope. I, I like one thing I hope for Julia is other people get to see her art a little bit. I know mm -hmm. that I, I'm definitely not paying her an exposure. Um, I'm doing we're doing <laughs> we're doing this basically we're doing it as a. Uh, sh the the Kickstarter will pay for my writing, and her art at full union rates. So yeah. we're not we're not skimping on anything like. A, a full wraparound cover she's going to get 600 quid for that because that's mm -hmm. what a professional artist should be given for that yeah and then on top of that if the kickstarter makes any profit we're splitting that 50 50 down the middle okay there's, that's so I'm, great to hear I'm, I'm not making money off the back of her art she at the end no. of the day she owns that art and can use it for whatever she wants there's no exclusivity yeah. on it because that's her work and I wouldn't presume her to just because I wrote a game doesn't mean like like I've, I I wouldn't presume like she, if she said oh you, you can't use those words somewhere or can't give them away in a bundle or whatever that would be people would look at that and think it's ridiculous so I don't know why people think they can do that to, to the artist on their project but yeah. it's the world we live in and, uh, mm -hmm. unfortunately yeah, but um, we're, we're doing it like a workers' co-op would do it, straight down the middle. I'm glad to hear that, too, especially with the themes of this game. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Final big question of the night for you there, Tanny, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Since last time when I brought you on, I asked you a little bit about advice that you could give mm. on how to make a game. A question I've been asking returning creators is, I think, a really big one, and it involves pacing yourself and mental health so mm -hmm. what advice can you give to creators to prevent project burnout as they work on these larger projects um i guess there's a, a few different things first is a lot goes into the preparation like uh, I, I reckon that i could have just went to this kickstarter with nothing really written or or just some vague ideas but i've actually been working away at a, a, a regular pace in the background yeah. So that's the first thing. Second thing is to give yourself realistic uh, time frames for uh, for actually producing the end result. One of the things mm -hmm. I think our reputation I have from my Kickstarters is I I, I deliver on time, and yeah. I, I, I've got that that like Kickstarter flags up like little things like little tags for how people view you as a creator, and one of them is. It's sort of like I've got a really good rep on that front, and it's because I I put forward like I I I I don't drag my heels, but I also know that some things are going to have hiccups, and to take that into account, like I I think the delivery date I've put on Loathe I Dread Empire is for June, twenty twenty three. Yeah. So that's because I'm I've never dealt with an artist before as someone else external. And I, mm -hmm. I feel asked like what time Julia would need, and she said a couple months. And so I thought, well, even if that goes long, if I say June 2023, it means that takes us like August till New Year. Then New Year, I've got six months to get that all laid out and put in place, and and for things to go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so I think being being giving yourself the proper time you need. And I, I guess this time I'm not doing like last time I done. Uh, soft back option, hard back option, uh, lots of different stickers, loads of different handouts. It was like yeah. 
I'm really impressed with what I put together, and I think it was amazing. And I'm, it, I, I like to put together the type of game I'd like to buy and pick up. But um, for this project, I didn't need all those bells and whistles, and it is going to be a lot easier because the, there's there's two a pack of two uh, play aids, and those just get put in with the book. Yeah. And and what I'm doing is like for my stretch goals is going from staple bound to everyone gets staple bound or everyone gets perfect bound. It's there's not sort of like you pick your binding options, so I don't have to like calculate as many things in the background. The, 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 mm-hmm. the fewer moving parts makes it easier. So keep yeah. that in mind. Like having having a pack of six stickers, uh, eight, well, four, five, six, seven play aids and two different book options and a whole bunch of add-ons was a lot of fun in one respect and it definitely played to my strengths from uh, past zine distro work but it it could have been a lot simpler so keep that in mind i think that's excellent advice especially with new creators who are trying to get something off the ground packing your packing your project with a lot of extras to make sure that it hits goals can sometimes slow you down on the quality of the project overall, especially when you have so many moving pieces, there's fears of things not working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like these days, it isn't like the, the sort of like late 90s and early 2000s where you have to put basically you put your, a, a lot of your savings on the line just to try and publish a game. Yeah. Um, and that, that sort of idea of a heartbreaker came out of that, that there were these people mm-hmm. who were basically just making D&D clones with a few house rules and then, then having to put their life savings into publishing and then these games were just not selling and, and people were losing it was breaking their hearts literally because they, they put their heart and soul into it and the publishing landscapes changed entirely like yep. put, if, like Honestly, you could just put together a game. You can get professional level publishing software. When when Affinity Publishers on sale, you get it for like twenty five dollars. Yeah. And and some groups, like some groups of gamers and some like clubs, will buy you a copy if you've just if you can't afford it or you're unsure about it. You can actually pick it up, get designing, and then just pop stuff up on on itch like so easily it's a whole mm-hmm. different landscape and then and then build up a, a, a if you can build a few people that sort of interested in it you can then go to kickstarter that way if you want to or go to a crowdfund or itch fund or or don't bother going into print because you don't feel you need to like yeah. um a great piece of advice was given to me many years ago by the the the, the great retired games designer malcolm craig was um, uh, basically why it looked at me and asked me why I wanted to publish a game at that time. And I gave my stock, uh, the usual thing, that, that sort of the surface feelings of sort of like, oh, I think this is a really good game and I'd really like to get out there. And it's like, no, but why do you want to publish it? It's, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you've designed a really good game. I'm sure... Like you, you're really enthusiastic about it, but what? Why do you want to publish? What's your really think on what your reasons for publishing are? Do you want people to know your name? Do you want the recognition of being a games designer? Do you want? Uh, d- do you really think your game is that original that it should be out there, or like what? What's going on? What's really motivating you? And I feel like nowadays, at this point in time, I know what my motivation is and why I'm doing this. We talked mm-hmm. about that last time I was on. I've got this yeah. sort of stepped plan, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm quite firmly on that at the moment. But nowadays, you could just put something out on itch, and, and why, why do you need it like to be published? Or if you are publishing it, why not just pop it up on something like Lulu or some vanity press where people can pay for one copy, and you don't have to have any outlay. It doesn't cost you anything. Like You have to buy, like, two or three test print copies like most people would spend more than that on a weekend away somewhere or a night out 
So go down that path and see how it looks. And then if you if you feel like you need to do more, then, then scale up. That's perfect advice. I think that's some of the strongest advice we've had in in this show just in general. So thank you for that, really. <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's very good advice. That, well, that, that's the collective wisdom of of like the the sort of um, the game the, the sort of indie game scene in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Like that that came from the last great wave of designers. That, that sort of like if you I think the collective endeavor website is still out there. But there was a, like a, a collective of games designers in the early 2000s and mid 2000s working together and they're all still out there doing stuff. But that sort of wisdom, that sort of base is, is definitely where I've came into things and I stand on the shoulders of giants. So, yeah. And there's, there's younger ones coming up behind us that are going to blow us out of the water. It's great. Oh yeah. I'm so excited to see what comes out next. Yeah. Tania, where can people find out more about you and Low Thy Dread Empire? Okay, so um, you can find me on uh, either timeoftribes.com or as Time of Tribes uh, on Twitter or Instagram uh, or timeoftribes.itch.io, uh, all of which I'm sure can be popped in your show notes. And <laughs> I'll be down there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's usually where to find me. Perfect. As always, audience, everything that we just talked about there, that's going to be in the show notes down below. So go check out Low Thy Dread Empire. It's coming out next week. It's, well, not coming out, but it's it's going up live on Kickstarter next week. The The goals and the stretch goals are really great. It's the game looks rad it looks so cool and for those of you who aren't too familiar with war games or want to try a war game that's really different this is this is definitely one to keep your eye on because not only is the art incredible but the way it works is super cool and it's just i i really like it i really like the concepts i like the design it's something new it's fresh and i think we're seeing more and more fresh stuff so Go out, go support Tanya, go support Lothi Dread Empire. Tanya, thank you so much for joining me on the show once again. I had an absolute blast. Same here, thank you so much for having me on, Zaka. I'm, I'm smiling, grinning from ear to ear with the chat <laughs> we've been having and, and just hearing hearing the positivity of you, it's, it's infectious. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. And audience, thank you so much for listening. Tanya and Lothi Dread Empire are scheduled to launch very soon, so keep your eye out for it. Go support them. But until then, take care of yourselves. Have a great night. I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Tanya for joining me on the show again. It was an absolute treat. I loved that conversation, and I was super happy to have them back. And I'm really excited about Lothi Dread Empire. That's dropping in one week or on August 2nd if you're not listening to this on release. And like I said, I'm absolutely blown away by this one. It's totally unlike anything we've had on the show. The Kickstarter options are absolutely fantastic. And it's just, it's really exciting. It looks really cool. Go check out the art. If anything, go check out the art. It's so cool. As always though, thank you for joining me, listener. There are a handful of new folks who've joined us recently, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to say, hey, and thanks for being with us. We broke our 1600 listener mark, and I cannot thank you all enough. It's been incredibly cool. I've gotten to talk to so many new people, and just, I've had a great time. So thanks for making this all possible still, and introducing me to so many new creators. If you like something, and you want me to come and talk to somebody new, reach out. I'll reach out to them and I'll do that legwork, see if they're interested. If you like the show and you want to hear more though, why not tell a friend? Because that's the only way that I get this show to grow, is through the amazing people like you sharing it. This coming Wednesday at 6pm Eastern Standard Time, you'll be able to catch me on the People's Ascension Twitch stream, where I'm going to be playing the earthbending successor, Pongo Tight. 
in an Avatar Legends one-shot. It's going to be a really good time. We're going to be doing it for the National Network abortion funds like I've been doing with Lion Knight. The Shibuya Knights game was great. Go watch the VOD soon. It's a lot of fun. And yeah, come help support this amazing cause. It's It's been super important to all of us involved. Next week, we're going to be having another great guest creator come on, and we're going to be talking about a comic book again. So get excited about that. Until then, though, I hope you all enjoy yourselves. Have a great week. Take care of yourself. And I'll chat with you real soon.